Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan from pureandsimplebible.com. So thankful that you are here again, and whether you're listening in the car or while you're doing the dishes or wherever it may be, I am grateful for this opportunity to have a Bible conversation and for you to listen along with us. In the studio with me today is Brother Marcus Mathis from Wichita Falls, Texas. And Marcus is staying at my house this weekend. There's a gospel meeting going on in Frisco. And so I wanted to take advantage of that opportunity and have him join me in studio to uh, record a podcast episode. And uh, the study that we're going to be looking at is called, What's the Inside Look Like? So please join us as we jump right into the study. Well, thank you, brother, for coming on today. I'm very grateful for you to be in studio with me. I hope that uh, we have a great opportunity to share the word. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come and join your podcast. I'm very excited about it. I listen to it all the time. So all right. It's kind of surreal that I'm actually <laughs> on it now. <laughs> well, yeah, now you can listen to it with your wife and say, hey, I'm a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we made it. <laughs> okay, well, let's jump right into the, the notes, shall we? The question that this study is uh, based on is called what's the inside look like? And uh, you begin by, by bringing up this point that we live in a world where a person's appearance or the, the, the things that we have are really kind of a gauge on who that person is, at least according to the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Give me some examples of that. Well, you know, it's a saying that I heard before that goes, uh, uh, we buy stuff that we can't afford to impress people that we don't know. And, <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. and I believe a lot of the times, whatever we purchase or whatever we are pursuing is for the applause or for the praise of other people. Right. Because we want them to see what we have and want them to gauge who we are. And then a lot of the times, let's say a job interview, if you go into a job interview, you want to make sure that you are on your, uh, you know, you have your best clothes on and right. your appearance looks good mm-hmm. because you know that they're going to gauge your appearance. Mm-hmm. But they really don't know what's on the inside, you know, until they get to know you. Right. Um, but, of course, the outside is the first thing that they see. So they always say, you know, you only get one first impression. And normally that's be- that's uh, how you look. Yeah. Another one that you uh, bring up in the study is the idea of a car. You know, you yeah. you do everything you wash the car you make it look really good right but then if the engine's junky right. i mean yeah you're not going anywhere <laughs> right right and you know i drive a i used to drive a 1995 caprice and i did my best you know keeping it up keeping the engine well changing the oil right doing all the maintenance and it took me from point a to point b you know it was a faithful vehicle for a while uh-huh. of course i used to drive by and see all these newer cars broke down on the side I'm like okay <laughs> It, the car looks really good on the outside, uh-huh. but apparently there's some things going on, on the inside that haven't been addressed. Ah, I like the phrase you just used. There's some things going on, on the inside. Yeah. Well, let's maybe ask uh, where we're going with those examples in relation to this study. You're saying what it's what's going on on the inside that matters. What What do you mean by that spiritually? Spiritually, I mean, you know, when we go to church or when we are around brothers and sisters, uh, when we're around other Christians, They can see what's on the outside, but they never see what's on the inside. And I guess, you know, me being uh, in the body for about maybe six years now, Uh I did some things in the world that still came with me when I was in the body. Right. So people could see that Marcus is a certain way on the outside. Right. But on the inside, it was a war raging on inside of me because I was 
fighting the battle and fighting the things that I used to do and, right. you know, accepting this new life. So the inside was what I had to get in control. Whether people want to admit that or not, I feel like every Christian has that battle. It's really easy to be good whenever you're around people that are dressed up nice on Sunday right. and they're, they're talking the talk and all that. Right. It's challenging throughout the week. But it so you've got to be right on the inside. Right. And not just on the outside. Um, will you read Matthew 23, 27? I see that in your notes. I'm wondering if we can uh, consider that scripture and some of the points you have about it. Yes, it reads. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful hourly, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. So what's going on here? This is when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees because, of course, on the outside, they had it all together. Right. But Jesus is saying just because you have it all together on the outside doesn't mean that you are in the right position with God Mm -hmm. for your inside Mm -hmm. is full of dead man's bones. It's like your inside is the complete opposite of what it should be. Right. And you you use the phrase double minded uh, in here. What do you mean by that? See, I believe the Pharisees wanted to appear one way on the outside. Right. You know, when they were in front of people, they would pray with these phylacteries on the head. Right. Right. And, you know, they wanted to wanted the people to see that they were a certain way. But on on a in actuality, they were not like that. So I believe they had to have two minds, one mind in front of somebody else, mm-hmm. but then another mind when mm-hmm. they were alone. Double minded is, you know, what the Bible calls it, I believe. OK, so uh, let's back that up maybe with some scripture. What does the word of God have to say about this concept? James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Ah, oh, there it is. Double-minded. Okay. Mm-hmm. With that idea, God is simply saying, I believe, don't be double-minded. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. says, purify your hearts and cleanse your hands, you double-minded. Now, you know, this isn't just uh, a spiritual concept. Uh, you, you have in your notes here that being double-minded in other parts of our life, we, we realize that that's not okay. Right. Give me some examples. Right. So if you're in a marriage, right, okay. you say, I do at the altar, but then when you get home or when you have lived in that marriage right. for a long time, uh-huh. you still behave as if you were single. In a way, you are being double-minded because oh, you're absolutely. married, but then you say, oh, I'm single, so I can still do these things, but you're not. Right. When you became married, you gave up the single life. Mm-hmm. So if you are still behaving as mm-hmm. if you are single, the marriage is not going to last. Right, right. Same with uh, another Physical example might be going on a diet, you yeah. know, being double-minded right. about your food intake. Right. So for breakfast and lunch, I'm going to eat really healthy, but, you know, I'm just going to pig out at dinner. That's, <laughs> yeah. You're being double-minded with your stomach. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, don't th- I don't, I know a lot of people are sports fans, and they aren't double-minded with their sports teams. I'm a Cowboy fan. Right. I don't cheer for any other team, right? I'm not double-minded. What would I look like <laughs> cheering for other teams? And I'm a cowboy fan. Well, we could go down a long path when it comes to <laughs> being the fan of certain teams, but I, right. I relate to that. Right. I get it. Um, my people who listen to the, the the people who listen to this podcast might not like to hear me say that I'm not a Cowboys fan. Living <laughs> I don't in Dallas, even Texas. like to hear it, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I won't hold it against okay. you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not that I'm opposed to sports, but hey, this is a this is a Christian podcast, not a football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
let's look at James 1, 8 one more time. I'm going to read it, and then I'd like for you to, to share some thoughts from there, please. It says, uh, he is a double-minded man, mm-hmm. unstable in all his ways. What's well, I believe that uh, it kind of goes back to the point that we were just making about being double-minded in any area of our life. Mm-hmm. He says he's unstable in all his ways. And I believe he's unstable because he has two minds. One right. mind wants to do A, the other mind wants to do B. Right. How are you going to do both? Right. You can try, but you can't accomplish both well. You know, I think if if we think about the idea of being double-minded as far as putting on an act in front of other people, right. eventually it's going to fade away. Because mm-hmm. you can only keep up that act so long. The dominant will come out. The dominant will come out. Right. Yeah. Now, you uh, you say giving him our everything is the best we can do, right? So when that dominant comes out, hopefully it's a the, the spirit over the flesh. Right. And so we're, we're uh, wanting to give the best we can. And you, you use this example of how you played football and... Uh, some things happen where not necessarily double-minded, but you know you kind of lose that best that you can for it. Maybe you could elaborate on that story and then connect it to some scripture. So I did play football for the majority of my life, and it was a big part of my life. It's the reason why I was able to go to college. Mm-hmm. But when I got to college, I lost a little love for the game, and it wasn't the same. So I kind of just went through the motions. Right. In a way, I was at practice, but at the same time, I was thinking, well, you know, when practice is over, I get to go home and relax. Or when the season is over, I'm done. You know, football is going to be over. Right. So when I think about my football experience and I think about the experience that a lot of people have with their own lives, it relates to one another because we can go through the motions in our own life, but really not be in that moment mm-hmm. or really not want to actually do uh, or participate in those activities. Um, let's say singing singing hymns at church right you know it's a beautiful time you get to sing praise to the lord mm-hmm. but let's say that person doesn't even want to sing or the person doesn't like singing but he's still singing anyways right he has a problem he or she has a problem that they need to address on the inside right right so. i think about uh the collection the you collection. know whenever we give in second corinthians chapter nine talking about giving from the heart god loves a cheerful giver and how we're not throwing money in the basket gritting our teeth angry like I hate that I have to do this. I want that money. Right. That, that would right. be a, somebody right. who's double-minded. Right. And nobody's going to see it but God, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the person who matters the most. Like, your neighbor is not, when you toss the money in the basket for your offering, your neighbor's not going to know what you are thinking. If you are joyful, if you are excited, right. or if you are depressed, God is going to know. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if you are feeling that way, because God is able to help you if you allow him to help you. It sounds like... This is an issue that you could hide for years and years and years if, and right. because nobody's going to be able to call you out on it. Right. But God can. Right. And so we need to fix the issue. Right. Because you have an issue with God. Right. So I guess that's my question is how do we go about fixing this idea of being double minded? First thing that we need to do is just understand where we are with God. OK. It's almost as if looking ourselves in the mirror, but not at our physical appearance, looking at where we stand spiritually. Okay. Because if we don't know where we stand spiritually, there's no way that we can fix it. There's no way that we can find the instructions in the word of God to address what's going on if we don't even know what's going on. And that's where the enemy wants us to be. He wants us to be in a spot of blindness to Mm. what's going on in the inside. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we just continue down the same road and we never stop to fix it. But God's instructions in his words give us everything that we need to address 
anything that's going on inside of us, but we first need to realize what is going on. Okay, well, give me a scripture that goes along with that point. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, mm -hmm. but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that scripture. Right. So, and it's beautiful because the Lord looks at the heart. We know that for a fact. Right. So what the Lord looks at is written in his word. We know what he looks at uh -huh. is, is what I'm saying. So if I need to fix this issue of being double minded, the first thing I'm going to do is just assess uh, how God looks at me and how God knows me so I can fake it in front of everyone else. But I'm not going to be able to fake it in front of him. No, I got to be real about that. Right. I have to be honest that. God sees a, hip, a hypocrite, yeah. even though everybody else might see the mask. Right. Uh, you have a scripture in Luke 16. Maybe that's a good one for us to consider as well on this point. Yes. So Luke 16 says, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Wow. Highly esteemed, you know, being praised by men can often be an abomination before God. Right. <laughs> but if we don't realize it, we'll take the praise of men as acceptance in the sight of God. But sometimes they can be completely two on completely two different spectrums. Right. And that's what this verse is re referring to. That's a sobering thought. Now, knowing that God sees all and that he wants us to be real with him, what are some you know, for, for our listeners, what are some practical biblical ways to accomplish this? So if I'm going to be real with God and I'm, I want to serve him, I don't want to be double minded anymore. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some ways I can go about changing who I am? Romans 12, two tells us, and it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay. So, so from that scripture, I'm drawing out, I need to renew my mind. Right. Right. Okay, right. Explain that. Renewing your mind simply means that you are taking what used to be in your mind, you are removing it, and you are replacing it with what God wants to be in your mind. Mm -hmm. Everything that's in Scripture, mm -hmm. every precept that we read, all the things that God has done for us, right. He wants us, He wants to be implanted in our mind. Mm -hmm. With those things implanted in our mind, there's no room for anything else. Now it doesn't happen immediately overnight, right? But it does get better, you mm -hmm. know. When I lived in the world, right, there were certain things that God didn't approve of. Mm -hmm. But when I became a Christian, those things didn't go away. I still had to work on renewing my mind daily. And that's something that we do each and every day that God gives us is that we read his word, we study, and we renew our mind. That's right. You know, part of that scripture beforehand, especially for those who are listening and maybe they are going through a great struggle and they feel like they're a hypocrite, they want to renew their mind, but maybe the word they're struggling to pick it up or they're struggling to pray. I think a very practical, uh, maybe a, a side command here in, in Romans 12 is don't be conformed to this world. Oh, right. You know, there's right. part of renewing your mind is, is denying the flesh. Right. And that's where people, sometimes there's just this brick wall, like they can't get over sinful living. Right. And the fact is, if you've got friends who are dragging you down, mm -hmm. that's not a friend. Right. No, not at all. For a Christian. Not at all. Or if you've got uh, you know, TV programs or activities or right. whatever it is that is is conforming you. That word in Greek means molding like clay. Yeah. So if you're being molded, like the world is molding you, you've got to break free of that. And suddenly the word becomes living and active. And that's beautiful that you said that because 
either the world can mold you like clay because mm-hmm. we are clay. Right. right. The Bible tells us we are clay. And it says that God is a masterful potter. Mm-hmm. So it's either the world can mold you like clay. Right. Or God can mold you like That's clay. That's right. I love it. I love it. So we're going to we're going to renew our mind. Uh, what else can we do to uh, help overcome that double minded nature? We can purify our hearts. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse six says, not with our service as man, man pleasers, but as bond service of Christ. Do the will of God from the heart. From the heart. Okay. okay. And then Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Right. So we see two things here in these passages, I believe. One is that we do the will of God from the heart. Mm-hmm. So in order to do the will of God, it has to come from the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I simply see that as, I can go through the motions and pretend like I'm doing the will of God, but if it's not implanted in my heart or if I'm not doing it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. it's not going to matter. Right. If I go out and I feed the hungry and I'm just doing it so I can take pictures and post it on my Facebook, that's not good <laughs> enough. Right. Right. In Matthew six, it says, uh-huh. don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right. You know? Right. I believe that that dives into the intentions behind mm-hmm. what we are doing. It's making me think of a scripture in first Corinthians 13. You know, if I give all my goods to the poor, if I give up my body right. to be burned, right. or to be martyred, but I have not love, I am nothing. So without yeah. that proper motive, yeah, without what's going on in the heart, it is nothing. Right. These are good points. And then Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I believe that all goes back, you know, and ties into each other, that the heart has to be pure and we need to purify our hearts. In order, in order to prevent the double-minded mentality. Now, there's one more scripture you have in the notes here, James 4, 8. And I think it's probably one of the best because it's, it uses that phrase, right. purify your heart. So go read that one for me, please. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're, we're kind of asking the big question, how do I overcome being double-minded? Nobody's going to know it. I've, I've got to call myself out because God sees it. And the answer is to purify my heart. Right. But that, I mean, it's just making me ask the question, how do I do that? You know, what's, how is it, in your notes, you call it one of the hardest and yet one of the easiest things to do yeah. to purify the heart. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, of course, everybody always says, God sees my heart. And they throw that on as a blanket to cover up <laughs> what they are doing as if right. it's good. Right. To excuse sinful living. Yes. Yeah, to excuse sinful living. Mm-hmm. But there's no excuse for sinful living. Again, Amen. that's a trick of the enemy. He wants right. you to think that I'm still okay living this way because God right. sees what's on the inside. Right. But at the same time, we see what's on the inside of mm-hmm. our heart as well. Mm-hmm. So our actions tell us what's on the inside. Mm-hmm. And God is not going to see something that we don't see. We see exactly what God sees. I truly believe that. Right. But when we think about purifying our hearts, we have to go to Hebrews chapter four. Okay. And verses 12 through 13. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, Mm -hmm. again, I said we need to figure out what's on the inside of our heart. This verse tells us that the word of God is is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what's frightening is 
that the Word of God is so true and pure that sometimes I can convince myself and therefore I, I might not see things the way God does. You know, my heart is not as pure as I think it should be, but the mm. Word is always going to convict. Right. It's always going to tell you the, right. the truth. It's right. never going to lie to you. Never. And so, you know, there there are times when I'm able to justify things that I I should know better. Right. Like I should know it's wrong. Right. But somehow I find a way to justify it in my heart. Yeah. The word is always going to convict that. It's yes. always going to bring you back to the truth. Yes. If you read it, you will have those moments where you feel cut deep. Mm. It's like, ah, <laughs> that cut me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the moments that we need. Right. Because in those moments, you are able to correct the error that you just realized. Uh-huh. Sometimes we do stuff and we don't know that it's against God. Mm. We can read the word and we can find it out. And then once we find it out, we thank God for it mm-hmm. because he has just shown us through his word. You know, that's how we begin to start to purify our hearts. Right. Sometimes when I preach um, sermons that may be a little bit controversial or touchy, maybe it's you know really going to be pushing some people to change their ways. I like to begin with the the introduction, like a preamble, and I'll say, I didn't write this sermon to step on anyone's toes. Mm-hmm. But if your toes are being stepped on, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the word. Amen. You know, maybe there's some cutting that's going on in the Amen. heart. So right. don't blame me. Right. I'm just the messenger. Right. Right. <laughs> but those are the moments that we need. Like, but God is teaching us through those moments. Kind of like when you discipline your ch- your children, you have to discipline them because you love them. Right. If you didn't discipline them, then they would probably you know, go off and do things that mm-hmm. could be harmful mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So God disciplined his children as well. Hey, let's look at First Peter one twenty two. Why don't you read that and, and help us understand how it's uh, helpful to purifying the heart? First Peter chapter one verse twenty two says, "Since you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart." Mm. So I put this verse in here because it says that since you have obeyed, so. Once you read the word of God, you right. obey the mm-hmm. word of God. Mm-hmm. Now, he says, since you have purified your souls. So I believe if purifying, if obeying the word of God can purify your soul, then it has to do the same for your heart because your soul is deeper right. than the heart. Oh, I agree. There's even a connection, I would say, between, you know, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, mm-hmm. soul, strength and mind. So just the whole workings of the inner man. Right. And so uh, I agree 100%. Now, I guess the the final question I have for you about purifying the heart. Mm -hmm. Is it easy? It is different for every single person. Okay. Because each person has their own battle that they are going through each and every day. Right. So it's depending on how much they're going to fight, how much faith that they're going to have that they can make it through it, and how bad they want to get to God Mm -hmm. over what they are trying to get through. Mm-hmm. The word of God gives us everything that we need to make it to God. Mm-hmm. Once we read it and apply it to our life, we're going to make it. Right. It just takes daily application. And eventually we will see that we are making progress, that we are on the right path, that we are no longer the person who we used to be. Right. The person that we are trying to you know, kill or put in the grave. Uh, we are not that person anymore. So That's I right. wouldn't say that it's easy or that it's hard, but. God gives us everything that we need to achieve what he wants of us. I think a good way to describe it might be 
be realistic about what it takes to purify your heart. Right. Like, like you said, it's going to be different for every person, so you can't compare yourself to your fellow Christian. Well, yeah. they got over their temptation right. instantly. Right. Whereas I struggle with my, maybe it was an addiction you yeah. had or something. I struggle with this for years. Right. I've, I've encouraged and studied and worked with people um, who have an addiction that, you know, they might have been clean from mm-hmm. for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Right. And purifying their heart is a daily choice. Right. Today, I will not pick it up. Right. Whereas somebody else, you know, they might purify their heart and then they move on and they never struggle with it again. Yeah. So I tell people, Christian race is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We have to be realistic about what that takes. Right. And some people might get that second wind real quick and they're able to just, you know, start trotting. Somebody else might need to walk. Yeah. Yeah. Catch their breath. Right. But it's all about moving forward. Right. And we're all in it together. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, I believe in the power of prayer. And I also believe that it's beneficial to have other people praying for you. There's times when I've been going through things in my life. And at the end of a lesson, that lesson spoke about the things that I was going through. So I walked up and I asked for prayer Mm -hmm. because I needed prayer. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know that I'm going to benefit from receiving the prayers of the brethren or prayers of the church. But for some reason... It seems like we kind of shy away from that. Yes. But we need that. We do desperately. There is a, maybe it's our culture, maybe it's, I'm not sure what it is, but being vulnerable. Yeah. Especially as men. Yeah. We don't want to be vulnerable. Right. Right. Sometimes even to my wife, you know, I don't want to be vulnerable because I don't want to be perceived as weak. Right. Right. It's a, it's a thought that says, what is this person going to think about me? Right. When they know this about me. But and if, I had that thought when I before I went down and even said, hey, brother, can you pray for me? And the way that I overcame that thought was if that brother looks at me differently because of what I'm telling him, then that's his problem. God sees that I'm going down for sincere help, for sincere prayer. Right. And that's what I need. I can't control how this brother is going to think once he knows what I'm asking him to pray for me about. You ever had somebody when you've done that? who did look at you differently or have they been helpful and mature and encouraging? No, helpful and mature. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. I'm shocked. You know, I've been on both ends. There have Mm -hmm. been times when I have gone to others and I'm very embarrassed. You know, I think I shouldn't have this struggle. I've been in the faith however many years I'm, I shouldn't have the struggle. And when I talk to them, they are so helpful. Yeah. And then I also have been in the, in the place where someone comes to me and they are, Maybe terrified is not the right word, but they're, they are ashamed. Yeah. And when I tell them, you are not alone, suddenly this weight is lifted. It is like, you know, a hundred pounds is off of their <laughs> yeah. shoulders. Yeah. And, and they'll tell you later on, you know, after they've had time to think about it, all this time I thought I was the only one going through it. Yeah. You've said this phrase a few times. That's the enemy. Yeah. The enemy, the devil wants us to think we're the only one who, right. who struggles with that sin. Right. And if he can get us to think that, then it's going to cool our heart. Yes. Now, I want to we'll look at a quote in your conclusion. Okay. I'd like to read it and have you comment on it. It says, if you are on fire for God inside, do you think your outside is going to be frozen? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, it's simple math. You know, <laughs> one plus one equals two. <laughs> if we know how fire works, we know how ice works. Right. So on the inside, if you are on fire for God, if you're doing everything that you possibly can do to be pleasing to God, to obey his word, Mm -hmm. to, you know, become this new creation that he created us to be. Mm -hmm. The outside has no choice but to fall in line with what you are coming on the inside. Right. But if you reverse it, 
it doesn't work the same. Mm-hmm. If on the outside you do your best to look a certain way in front of others or to appear a certain way, but the inside can still be, you know, on a completely different spectrum. So mm-hmm. I, I just think if you focus on the inside, the outside, you don't have to worry about. Right. Well, you're not alone in that conclusion. I think Jesus, the master teacher, is the first one to uh, be critical of the Pharisees and of hypocrites and others who focused only on the outside. Right. And Matthew 23 is such a powerful chapter, isn't it? Yes. Where he's yes, telling them, you, yes. you're just a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Right. <laughs> you look so pleasant on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. Yeah. What, a, in, what an encouraging conversation this has been. Yeah. I'm thankful that you came on. I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts before I let you go. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, of course, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I pray that this is helpful for someone. Uh, you know, I just thought about this lesson when I when I hear about a young, you know, straying from the faith after they become an adult. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what was going on this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, they were there every single Sunday. You know, they sung praises. They did this and they did that. They They had what appeared to be a strong faith. Right. But then they turned 19 and then all of a sudden they went away. Mm-hmm. And I say, what is going on? Yeah. And I think it's a lot of pressure on the young because if the parent is a strong Christian, then the parent wants the young to make sure that they are appearing a certain way. So you right. need to do this in front of other people and you need to look this way in front of people. Mm-hmm. But if the young don't internalize it and and realize who they are, then they are headed on the wrong path. Because yeah. they are on the path because of somebody else put them on that path. Right. Not because they chose to be on that path. So when it's their choice, they're going to say, well, I'm getting off this mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can get the inside right, that everything else is going to be okay. Well, if somebody was uh, touched by this conversation, they wanted to get in touch with you. Uh, do you have an email or something you'd like to share? Maybe somebody, if they wanted to talk with you about it directly? Yes. Yeah, so you can email me at M L. Mathis, which is my last name, M A T H I S zero one at gmail dot com. M L Mathis zero one at gmail dot com. Yes. Very good, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Very you. Very grateful thank you. for this opportunity with you. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank Brother Marcus for coming on and having this excellent Bible study conversation with me. I'm very encouraged. It's reminding me how valuable it is to purify my heart because I do not want to be double minded before God. It's so easy at times to kind of go through the motions, right? But it's not about going through the motions. It's about serving a God in spirit and truth with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now, like Marcus just said, if you want to contact him, please do. I know he would be happy to encourage you, to pray with you. And so you can reach out to him at the email he provided. You can also reach out to me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com, or you can go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. I've got a lot of resources there that I have written specifically for sharing the gospel and growing in the faith for people in your community. Until next time, always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon.